And you know, sometimes, and I've been in this position, you know, we, we have a wonderful privilege when, um, when we work for the church, when we work, we, we all work for the church, we just get paid by the church. <laughs> but there's a wonderful privilege that we get occasionally to get away from it all and process ourselves, our families, uh, get renewed vision. And I know it's, it's difficult sometimes for people uh, when you hear that, it's like, what do you mean he gets three months off? I want a job where I get three months off and only work on Sunday. <laughs> How I wish. Um, but it wasn't three months off. And uh, I think it's helpful for you guys and it's helpful for us. For Brett, as he comes back, he's just going to share some of his story about what the Lord's been doing his journey, his process, and how he's, this hasn't been three months of holiday, but three months of investing into the future of his family, you guys, and the kingdom. So go for it, Brett. Fantastic. Love you, <laughs> Don't clap yet. I haven't preached yet. <laughs> we have... You're just happy that I trimmed it. I looked like a looked like a homeless person who lived on a mountain for three months. So Steve dropped it the other day when he saw me. He's like, hey, I thought you were going to cut your beard before you got back. I was like, what the heck? Worked hard in this thing, man. Anyways, and I wake up the other day, I was all like, oh, I don't want to brush it and stuff. And so I cut it off. Anyways, but before, um, it was really, it has been a privilege to um, be a, take some time off uh, from, from our meetings and things like that. Um, and so when, when I met with Mike on Monday, he was like, hey man, you preach, I'll lead. So I thought, hey, best way going forward is let me just share a little bit of, of what God's taught me. This is my journey. Abby, when she gets there, she can share her part of the journey. But today I'm just going to focus on what God has been saying to me. But before I do that, um, I just in worship, I just felt uh, to ask this question, and you don't have to respond if you're scared. But I just felt like the Lord wants to encourage someone or, or some, some people here that, You've lost, you've lost your, um, like, um, like you've, you've lost a little bit of your faith. Like you've got a faith crisis that's happening right now in your life. And you're like, oh, this Christian thing, I don't know, it's just too hard or it's too whatever. I just felt like the Lord wants to encourage whoever that is. Um, so I don't know if there is anyone here. If, if no one responds, then I'm just going to move on. But I really felt like God wanted to encourage you and we just want to pray a blessing over you. I don't know if there is anyone here. Is it? Lacquer. It's amazing. Thank you for, don't cry because I'm, I said to myself, I'm not going to cry, but if you cry, I'm going to cry. But I just felt, I felt the Lord highlight you, and there might be others, but specifically for you. Um, he took me back to uh, John 20, where Thomas was having a, a faith crisis, and everyone else had seen Jesus, and he was like, I'm not going to believe. Tina, that's why you're an amazing deaconess. And, uh, and he's like, only if I see Jesus with my own eyes, I'm going to believe. And Jesus in his graciousness, appears. And he says this in verses uh, 26, eight days later. So this is eight days of chaos, and everyone else is excited, and Thomas says, well, what the heck is going on? And, and he must start. And, and his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And I really felt the Lord wants to say, peace be with you. We all go through 
faith crisis is we all go through those moments where, I had a moment, I'll share it later, I had a big moment when I was in Provence one, one week, we were spending some time on the farm there, um, Gerald didn't invite us over, and similar thing, so I'll just share, but I'm, uh, and then he said, Thomas, put your fingers here, and see my hands, and put your hand, and, and put out, and put out your hands, and place it on my side, do not disbelieve, but believe, and I just, I just like trying to put myself in that room, where all of a sudden, Thomas's whole life has turned upside down going, Jesus is real. He's standing in front of me. And even though we don't see him now, then he goes on and, he, and he, maybe this, he had you in mind. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. And I really felt that it was for you this evening. Like God is going, I know I haven't tangibly be." I didn't feel tangible now, but because you believe, you're so blessed. And I wanted to encourage you, and I think the Lord wanted to encourage you. And I, can we pray for you as a congregation, just a blessing over you? And it might not take what you're feeling away in the moment. It might still be a journey, whatever, however God's going to take you through. But, but I just felt like I'm saying, don't lose faith. Don't lose it completely. <laughs> and you're going to come out stronger for it. I believe that with all my heart. And so, Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you that your spirit is leading. And, Lord, faith is a gift given by you to us. And we want to pray that you'll strengthen this faith. And, Lord, whatever circumstances or situations or emotions or whatever it is, Lord, trauma or whatever, Lord, that, that in that, Lord, that you will do an amazing, amazing work, that you'll restore faith and hope. And the peace that comes, comes with that, Father God. And Lord, that we could all run more effectively for your kingdom, Father. And so we want to just say we love you. And we want to thank you for these moments. Lord, the Holy Spirit, just come right now and just fill and restore and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, amazing. So, um, so as Mike said, um, it wasn't like a traditional holiday. Um, Abby and I had to really apply ourselves to many things um, over our three months. Uh, now I'm starting to cry. Now it's over. So I try to, anyways, let's see if we can. Um, and um, I'm just going to sum my th- three month journey. And I think it's, it's been almost 20 years that I've been in full time ministry. So it's kind of like a build up of almost 20 years of. Of building some, some building badly, uh, some of the little foxes. It's always the little things that kill us. Uh, and I said that we had an elders meeting on Tuesday, and then an elders meeting Tuesday evening. And uh, and I said to Andrew, "Thanks for giving me enough rope to hang myself." Because <laughs> somewhere along the line, we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to. I know. Look at that. I know. Alex is like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but it's like. So, so we've been running, and we've been trying to serve Jesus as as best as we possibly can. But there are cracks. That, that, I, that, that have always been in my life, that you kind of cover up with busyness or whatever, other things. And, and over time, those cracks, when the pressure comes and when business comes and when uh, lack of faith comes and however God wants to deal with us, inevitably, something's going to pop somewhere along the line. And just before um, we uh, came back from, or when we were in Brazil, that was a month and things started tweaking, things started popping, things started, I started going, oh, cook, what's going on? And uh, I got back into chaos, uh, not in my own life, but in my family's life, and, and, and to a certain degree, the congregation and a whole bunch of other things. 
And uh, God's timing was so amazing. It's like, we can go. <laughs> and we can, we can not take a holiday. We can take a sabbatical. And so 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to 6. This is the heart. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 to 6. Oh, someone's trying to get in. Um, this, is, this is the heart of the three months. It's um, where God says, examine yourself to see whether you um, are in the faith. So it kind of comes back to, um, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that you have not failed the test. And so the three months were uh, an examination of, the li- of my adult life, basically. Because I became a pastor at 23. So it's basically my whole adult life till this point. I had to sit down, and Abby had to sit down, and we had to sit down as a family. We had to sit down as leaders in the congregation and the church and go, God, we want to examine ourselves. We want to look at all the ha and all the cracks and all the insecurities. And they always say leaders are the most insecure people. And I never agreed with that until this, until this <laughs> sabbatical. And I'm going, just why have I got so many insecurities? What is going on? And so we had to examine, and by God's grace, I don't think we have failed to the point of not coming back and of no return. And I, and I think some of the mistakes I have made in the last six months are redeemable, which is amazing. And so um, the examination was very hard and very long. And we got to the, we were only supposed to take two months. And we were becoming, we were getting back to the, we were coming to the end of two months. And I was just, I was like, I don't know if we're ready. I don't know if we come back now. I don't think we've put enough into place to, Cover the, well, not to cover those cracks, but to fix those cracks. I think, I think if we come back now, it's going to be premature, and I think we're going to end up in the same spot as we were in like six months' time. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to try to fix ourselves and through Christ fixing us. That makes, that's a better term. Christ fixing us, not fixing ourselves, but to the best of our ability. So I asked for another month, and they granted it, which was great. Um, and so, so some, of the, some of the things that I messed up on or I missed were just some of the ways I'm, I was leading Abby and the family and running after busyness over like quality time and connection. And so like it's a, it's a funny thing. It's like I thought I was connecting. It's like, it's like that. You think things are going well and then they're not going well. And you're like, what is going on? And maybe it's a guy thing. I was just slow on some of these, these things, you know. And then some decisions, even in our congregation, um, I think we've made some decisions over the last six months that haven't been helpful. By God's grace, they haven't shown as badly yet, but they'll come because there's always consequences for bad decisions. But we are trusting that, uh, that God can redeem those things as well, if that makes any sense. So, so, and then Isaiah 64, 6 has been kind of part of this thing. As we're examining and as we're looking and as we're seeing the stuff that you don't really want to look at, um, <laughs> I was reminded, this was encouraging in a sense, um, Isaiah 64, 6. Um, and I'll, let me read it. Anyway, it says, um, and we all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. So it's like, like, it's like, it's quite a cool thought. It's like, we're all unclean. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all kind of like, even our righteous deeds, even the things that we think we're doing well and with good hearts and all that, they are just like, like menstrual cloths. That's what they were saying there. It's quite a disgusting kind of, um, bloody, Mental clocks, that's what the thing is. We fade away like a leaf and I, yeah, and we like the wind and we tossed away. 
And, and thinking like, whoa, even if I try my best, dude, Craig, it's so good to see you leading worship. I don't think I've seen you because I think you came in when I left. Yes, very mild. Are you one of my favorite worship leaders? Don't tell the other worship leaders, eh? Because they're going to get like all funny and probably hate me and stuff. But dude, so good to see you up there, man. I was like, my heart was so happy. I winked at you a few times. Did you see that? I was, I was wondering, like in a non-boyfriend way, you know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> and so, uh, <laughs> and so, just realizing, like, we can try hardest with the best heart. We're going to mess up. And, and so my encouragement is this. I'm going to try and encourage you with my failings so that you can fail forward in your life. Okay, so there's, one, there's, there's two ways of doing this. We can fail and just dissolve into a ball of fluff. Or you can fail and then go, okay, I've messed up. I've missed it. I've made some bad decisions. I haven't been leading my wife well. I recognize it. I'm going to move forward. And I think a lot of people just, when they fail, they just give up. Um, and I'm not giving up. And hopefully, if you feel like a failure like me, you don't give up either. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <clears throat> um, so, Henry Ford said this. The only real mistake is the one from which you learn nothing. And I thought, that's pretty, pretty cool. He revolutionized the way we have cars. And he's going, the only mistake is the one you don't realize can teach you something. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. And so in order to fail forward and to, to overcome and to be full of faith and to continue to rely on Jesus, is we go like, hey, we mess up. If our hearts are, hey, I want to change, I want to see it, I want God to redeem this thing, I think we're on the right track. That doesn't make sense. Are you guys with me? Very, sorry, I'm very out of preaching, so this might be all over the place, but let's see. So four things. I just try to condense it into four things that um, has happened in my life. So the first is this, recognize. So the hardest thing for me to going into this sabbatical was to recognize what is happening <laughs> and to recognize what Christ is trying to say and do. And I think once you recognize it, you can go, Flip. either I'm going to run to Jesus and he's going to help me or I'm going to run away from Jesus and I'm just going to be- become a disaster. And you see like even Judas and Peter, they did, I mean, I preached a few years ago on this. They, they both rejected Jesus. They both chose bad ways. They both, the, Satan entered both of them. I mean, but the one chose to run, so Peter chose to run to Jesus. So he portrays him, he looks him in the eyes, he realizes he's messed this thing up. And where does he go? He goes to Jesus, he goes to Galilee. Jesus says, go, I'm coming. I'm going to meet you there. When I can. And he goes and he runs towards Jesus and Jesus redeems him. Jesus, on the other hand, looks at himself. He actually goes to the temple and he throws the money back and he goes to man. And he goes, hey, this is blood money. I don't want this. I wasn't meaning this because he's a zealot, right? So he, he was trying to get Jesus to overthrow the Roman government physically. He had totally missed it. <laughs> um, zealots were like, hey, Jesus, the, the Messiah is coming physically. To, and when he realized that, you go read it. It's crazy. He goes back to man and he throws and he says, I don't want this. And he goes and hangs himself. And so when you recognize Things are going pear shape in your life. It, it, it's very scary. And it's very hurtful. And you're like, ah. Oh. And I had to make a choice. Like, I'm like, Ew. and it's like, it's not as easy as sometimes you make, preachers make it out to be. It's like, it's like, yeah. just do it. No, it's, no, it's harder. It's hard. When it's really deep and you feel like you're sucking at everything, 
it's like really not easy to run to Jesus. It's like it's so much easier just to run away and do your own thing. I'm just being honest. So it's like, and so I'm in this like dilemma. Like, I know I have to run to Jesus, and that's the right way to go. But I'm like, oh, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be such a long journey, you know. It's like, and um, and once you recognize it, everything kind of starts falling into place. The other problem that I had was you play the blame game. So you see this in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are having a rad time in the Garden of Eden, and the serpent comes and he deceives Eve, and Eve eats, and then she gives the fruit to Adam, and then God comes down and he's walking in the cool of the day, and he's like, hey, where are you guys at? Who told you you're naked? He knows, but he's, you know, that's what God does. <laughs> Trying to help them recognize what they've just done. And they're like, um, we, yeah, we ate from the tree that you didn't say. And then the blame game starts happening. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. I don't know if the serpent blamed anyone because I think he just thought he had won. Yeah, he didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> we know that snakes didn't have legs back in that day. No, I'm only kidding. No, I'm just, just, that was just a joke. Just don't, yeah. Anyways, and so, and so I went down that road. I'm learning this and this and this and what, and I, and then they try to cover themselves with garments. So they took the fig leaves and they're trying to cover up their sin because they're blaming everybody else because now they're realizing, flip, we're in serious trouble, yeah. And honestly, I went through a week or two of that of going, flip, I'm going to blame this, like, this, like, where was Mike? Damn it, where were you, Mike? You're my man. Yeah, you were, bro. What is going on? You know, like, and then I blame everyone. And then I'm like, and then God's like, boo, stop being a chop. Just recognize what I'm trying to do here. And that's like, I'm, I'm being very raw. Sorry, for those who don't know me, please come back. Next time we'll get someone else to come back. You know, like we'll get a nicer preacher to preach next time or whatever. And it's just like this blame game. I'm trying to blame everything but myself. And then when you go, ah, it's me. That's when God can actually start working. That took me about a month of blaming everything else and myself and but then Jesus, like, he redeems. So, like, even with Adam and Eve and the fall of man, he goes and he kills something. And he covers them with skin. So he takes away what they were trying to do. And he covers them. Redemptiveness. It's a redemption. It's a picture of the gospel, you know, in the New Testament. And so when that redemption starts happening, something amazing starts happening. It's like, like peace starts coming in. It's Aina, but you can see, like, I, I was, you know when you're in a storm? I realized, like, even when Jesus was in the storm with his disciples and Peter gets out the boat and walks in it, you know where we get it wrong? The storm isn't about the storm. That's where Peter went wrong. The storm is about Jesus in the storm. And so when you're storming, all you're looking at is the waves and, the, and like, Jesus is in the middle. They're going, hey, just take my hand. Like, I'm going to get you out. And we're always looking at the storm, but... God was like, Brett, just look at me. Like, just recognize me. I'm the Savior. I'm the author and effect of your faith. I'm the one that's given you salvation. I'm the one that's filled you with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm. Like, just look at me. And as soon as you recognize and you, okay, we can get through this. <laughs> you know, we can get through this. Doesn't make sense. Sorry, I'm all, you guys look very, yeah. Okay, cool. Let me move on. Second thing. So once I recognized it, um, I had to start repenting. <laughs> So it's one thing to go, okay, I'm like, okay, I got to a lot of cracks. I got a lot of insecurities. I got a lot of things I got to fix. So I, a lot of the little foxes are going to become big foxes if you're not very careful very quickly. They're starting to eat and get bigger, you know. And so repentance is this. It's to rearrange your entire way 
of thinking or feeling or being in order to forsake that which is wrong. So once I'd recognized, okay, this is not healthy. We're going to lose somewhere along the line in the future. I had to start repenting of certain things. So in other words, I had to start rearranging the whole way I think. How I'm going to, and this is, the, this is very scary as well. How I'm going to lead not only my family and myself, but the congregation. And, and what that does is it, 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 it strangles the bad, um, what is the word I use? Habits. And so once we start repenting, once we start rethinking things and readjusting and changing and putting things into place. So this is one of my problems. I'm a, I'm a guy that flies by the seat of my pants. Like, I don't like, I don't like to be constricted into a, a diary. <laughs> I don't want to, yes, I, it freaks me out. But because I'm so open, I get myself into trouble. Because then I just say yes, 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 yes to everything. And this is one of the things I need to repent to some of you maybe. I'm so, I so want to be in people's lives. I so want to honor Jesus that I'll just say, yeah, let's do something. And then I'll probably forget about it. <laughs> and then that person's going, but there he told me he's going to spend time with me. And then that's, that's a major door for a fence to be opened. So my heart is not to hurt people. But I'm like, Jody, let's, oh, I love you, bro. Let's hang, you know. And then I'll go to Nick, Jody, let's, well, we have to hang anyways. But, and we have to. And one of the things I was thinking, I was, I'm probably hurting people without even realizing because I'm so free. I'm like, I want to just connect with everybody. But that's just stupid because I'm just one person, right? Unrealistic. Not stupid, unrealistic. You see, even Abby. And so even just a small thing like that can become a massive thing. So how do I repent from that? One of the things I have to learn is I have to say no. Sorry, I can't, I can't do it this week or maybe next week. I can't. But let's talk again. I love you. Let's talk again. That is one of the hardest things for me to do. Because I'm insecure. I want you to love me. So I'm thinking, this is, I'm just giving you my, not stupid. I know you guys are like, what the heck? This guy's a grown up. Come on. But I'm like, I want you to love me. I don't want, I don't want to be rejected by you. So I say yes. So that stops that immediate, but man, down the road, we're going to mess up people's lives. So little thing, if I leave that for too many years, big thing. Half of you leave because you like, feel unloved and whatever. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. So it seems stupid. And this is what God was saying, but it's not because these things become big things. Anyway, um, so now I'm repenting. So, um, yes, it's built into what? Yeah. So, so it took three months because <laughs> a few things come up. Let me. So one of the big things for me that I have to I had to repent of in traffics was, um, as a leader, people can be very hurtful in what they do and say. I'm just going to throw it out there, not intentionally. I don't, I don't think people are. So what I've done over the almost twenty years is I, I've become unemotional to what people do and say. So what I've been doing is just packing down just all the emotions for the last 20 years. Like, bye-bye. So this is where I got it wrong. I thought a good leader would be a, is a strong leader, a strong person who doesn't get phased, doesn't get hurt, uh, just runs full on, just I can take it. So what I've been doing, though, is <clears throat> pushing, pushing to the point that just there's no more room in my soul? Now what? And so the breaking thing is, because I'm so unemotional, there's no connection. Without emotion, there's no connection, no love. 
Abby's been going, brav, brav, you're not connecting. I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying because I'm a guy. So the telltale signs is she's not feeling connected right now. Flap. So one of the things I really, I have to be emotional. So that sucks because when you start looking at all the years of people being, yeah. And then, then realizing it's fine, a good leader isn't someone that's strong all the time. A good leader is full of faith even in the bad times and has faith in the good times. And so I'm going to have bad days. Instead of me going, oh, I'm good, I'm strong, follow me, I'm going to be like, oh, it's sucking right now. But I've got faith that God's going to get us through. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know it's not very theological, this, but it's just my journey. Okay. Um, the emotions. Um, I've even started journaling, which is the one of one of the hardest things. I I hate writing stuff down, but it's not like you just write stuff down. You have to think like, okay, how was today? What did I feel? Why did I feel that? Have I connected with Abby? Am I connected with the kids? Did I lose my temper? Why did that taxi freak me out so much? Man, that oh, it's like twitching, like. <laughs> But I'm going, I've repented, so now I have to change the way I think, what I do, yeah, reflect, and I have to reflect, and it doesn't feel nice to reflect right now. And it's very girly to, to journal, because only ladies journal. But they don't only journal, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so, that, that's repenting. I could have thrown a scripture in here, but we know that the, the scriptures say repent, <laughs> But it's like repenting is we've really tried to rearrange the whole way we do family, personal stuff. And now jumping back into church, we're going to try to keep that foundation that God has started well. So like Andrew and the team are helping me. So they've taken away 90% of my other responsibilities, which is amazing. So I don't have a choice now to jump. I'm not going to Brazil this year again. I'm not involved with leading a hub anymore. Uh, what was the other thing? I'm not overseeing that 412 church in Stellenbosch anymore. They've taken a lot of stuff off me so that we can, what started in us on those three months will carry on. Maybe I'll pick it up sometime in the future. Maybe not. Don't really, don't really, yeah. Anyways. Third thing, and then I've only got four, so we're going to almost be done. Is So you recognize then repentance, and that's a whole thing on its own, and then relying um, Proverbs 3, verse 5, 5 6. Um, this really, um, just like again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And only in your own understanding. I think one of the things, I think pride kind of got involved somehow because we're all full of pride. Like if you do something long enough, you could probably do it without God. And that's a very dangerous thing to say. And I think there was something in me that became. Like pride started driving somewhere along the line. I'm still trying to figure that out. And like, I'm not leaning on God anymore because I could do it naturally. That's <laughs> so dangerous. You know, and it's like, and, and then just, and it's that trusting pretty much, yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't need to understand. Is that the only, is there a little parted? In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And please, I know this is a proverb. It's not a promise. I know that. But there's a principle here. Like, if God is first, <laughs> and your heart is for Him, 
He, he does stuff that you can't do on your own. And so I had to start relying on God again to help me with my emotions and all these things I'm changing and journaling, which sucks, but be getting better at it and trying to readjust our lives and take it easy and slower and all of those things. And then what I also realized is I re- I'm really sucky without a good support team around me. And what had happened was Mike was out for 18 months. And this is not an excuse. This is just me processing. Jazz got really busy with her stuff, and she was really a good support. I lost Monet. Abby and I, yeah, Abby and I weren't connecting as strong as we could. Gerald I hadn't seen for three months until the other day. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he tunes me in a good way because we have this open relationship. And I realize, I look back, um, Adam and I walk really closely together and for many years, and he was out of the picture a little bit and a few other things, and I'm realizing this is a very sober moment. I was like, without those people in my life, I actually suck <laughs> at a lot of stuff. And what they've done so well is they've picked up my weaknesses so well that it actually looked, I thought I was doing better than I was. <laughs> uh, and then the Lord takes me to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Um, it says, uh, two are better than one because you have a, re- good, a, a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, the one will lift his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not other to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And three, cord is not quickly broken. And I realize, like, it is recognizing, it is repenting, but it's us relying on God first. And then majorly on, like, those who God has put around us. And so we always say in Joshua, accountability is like one of our big blocks that we stand on. And I realized, like, I thought I was being accountable. And I was trying to be accountable with new guys. And I, and I realized, like, God has put some people in our lives for seasons to really shine his glory. <laughs> and I want to encourage you. I looked around and going, but those people, I, I love them. Yeah. They're aces. Like, they, without them in my life, this is where I get to. So it's a very big, like, ah! And then, fourthly, and I'm going to end on this. It's quite a short thing, is um, run. So we're back. We want to run now. Um, but running is, a, is an interesting hobby and an interesting sport. If you're not a runner, and then you start running, you will find out very quickly how hard running really is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole other thing. It's like... You can have the shoes, you can have the shorts, you can have the vest, you can have your running watch, you can do whatever you want. But man, you hit the road, or you, I like mountains, you hit the mountain. It's a whole, whole other ball game. And I remember when I started running five, six years ago, I was very overweight, I was very unhealthy, I was eating bad. and I had to literally, and I started doing this the other day, I ran on Tuesday, same thing happened. I did a really good run with... With J.D. The, 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 the couple of days before, and I was like, flip, I'm back in it, I'm running. And then Monday, Tuesday, it hit me so hard. What we do is we run from lamp pole to lamp, lamp pole, literally, 100 meters. Run to the run, and you get your pace, and your heart's going through the roof. Okay, this lamp pole, I'm going to walk to the next one. Literally, that's how I started running. When I first started running, I couldn't even run like 200 meters. And I want to say, we're back now. 
But I'm, we're not going to sprint ahead. We, I'm literally going to, we're going to run from this lamp from Sunday. We're going to try to get to next Sunday for now. And then when we get to next Sunday, I'm, just, I'm not using it. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just using it as a, and then hopefully over time, as our legs get stronger, as we, um, as our repentance comes to fruition, and we place all these things that we have placed that they're actually working well, slowly but surely we'll start running a little faster, a little harder, a little longer, and start exploring new things. Does it make sense? And so um, I want to end with one more scripture. Um, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I love this because we're all kind of on our own journey. And we're all running, hopefully, towards Christ and the kingdom and what he's called you to, as he's called me to, right? And so I love the scripture, and God has been, it's on my heart a long time, yeah, over the last three months as well. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's us. But it's not only that, it's the other 43 Joshua and congregations that are in the city, and the 412 churches, and Oxygen Life, which I, I really enjoy, Oxygen Life. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that so easily, or which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, whom for the joy set before him to enjoy the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, Jesus is the model that we need to follow. <laughs> he injured. He ran well. He took breaks when he needed to. He had people around him when he needed to. He, he just did so well at modeling this thing called life to us. And you're on your journey. I'm on my journey. What's probably going to happen is as we self-regulating, God will probably start reg- self-regulating others in the congregation. I have made some bad decisions, which will probably have ramifications in the future. But I, Mark and I are confident that they're not going to hurt us too badly. But uh, we've owned that. Uh, cool. And we're going to run and we're going to fail forward. And so I want to encourage us today. Um, life isn't easy. Christianity is not that hunky-dory all the time. But we're here. And we're learning. You know. um, one of the quotes I put in my preach um, was, we make mistakes. Mistakes don't make us. And I think that's a, it's, a, it's a very good difference of failing and falling away or failing and falling forward. You know, it's like, we make mistakes. We miss it sometime. We don't listen to the Holy Spirit or whatever the case is. But those mistakes don't make us. So coming back in, um, I felt the grace of Andrew and the team. Like, hey, Bert, God's exposing stuff. We love you. Let's go forward. And I want to encourage us too, like, if you're feeling, but I'm a failure, so am I. <laughs> but I'm a failure with, with Christ. And, and that moment on the farm, it's just like, it was so funny. I was like, I think I was in a midlife crisis as well. It's 42 year midlife. I don't know. It is, hey, pretty much. Because will I even get to 80? I don't know. And so I'm like, maybe over midlife. I don't know. It's like, a, like, like, God, what have I been doing for the last 20 years? Like, am I making like an impact in anything? Like, I don't know if you have those thoughts, but I was deep in that thought pattern, sitting in Provence. And I'm like having a little bit of a, yeah. And a friend of mine, Luke Watson, who preached here a couple of weeks ago, I love Luke, 
he just messaged him literally the same moment, like, blip, blip. And I just checked, and he's like, he sends me this voice note. He's like, I don't know what's happening with you, or where you're at, or where you're in the world, or I don't know, but God is saying, bro, stop it. And then he was like, <laughs> like I, was, I actually looked around. I was like, he can't be here. Is he here? Are we really cool? You know, if he's here, that'd be. And he's like, I'm in Josh Jen because my heart connected with your heart. So even if it's just for me, you've done whatever God's called you to be. You'd stop doing what you're doing. I'm like, literally, I'm like, he's reading my, like scarily, like scarily reading my inner thoughts. And he's like, just, you've made an impact on my life. Even if it's just me, you've done your job. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. I need that right now. Midlife crisis over. <laughs> Not that easy. Not that easy. Stop it. Stop it. And so I was like, so God broke through many of those moments of like, just what is going on? Just like, um, tennis, I'm sorry, bro. come back next week. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just missed really, I just missed. And so, wasn't a classic holiday. Um, a lot of processing, that's just my journey. Abby's had a whole other, her own journey and what God has been saying to her. Maybe one day, when she's ready, she can share her, her part of the story. Um, and again, just thank you for being amazing. It was the weirdest time because you all are friends and we love you. And then we, we have, where's our friends? Who we love. It was a bit of a weird, strange thing, you know. And so we did go, we did, I just spent one or two days with some of the guys. But um, thank you for the time. Thank you for not giving up on us. Uh, thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being part of this family. And I'm, tr- I'm really trusting. I'm full of faith. Hopefully, I'll be, all, be a little bit more mature <laughs> coming back. And just, yeah, I love you. Just re- representing Jesus a little bit more uh, going forward. And so, thank you, guys. I know it's been a long haul. It's been four months with Brazil. It's, it's a long time. But let's do it together, you know. And if you're feeling, yes, I'm, you are, you're in good company. And Jesus is good. <laughs> And uh, maybe I should just end because I'm flumbling now. And uh, uh, re- Mike is in my peripheral. I can see an orange blob coming towards me. Uh, did I say blob? Not blob. Um, just a blab. What's it? Blab. What's it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my one of my favorite movies is the gods must be crazy. (laughs) And from our perspective, the way God chooses to do things is crazy. You know, he says, I want to build my church, and I'm going to use you guys to do it. That is crazy. (laughs) He uses imperfect people to build his church. And the challenge for us in being good followers is that if we trust God, we'll trust those that he's put in positions of authority. And it's not always easy because we see the flaws. We see that he puts his pants on one leg at a time. And we... <laughs> but God knows that. God knows we're imperfect. And he still says, follow these men. But as leaders, that's a huge responsibility and a burden that we carry. Knowing that we're going to stand before God one day and give an account. Not as perfect men, but as men who are doing our best to be like Jesus. Not just so we can lead you well, but so we can set an example.
And scripture says of elders, they've got to set an example in all things. And whilst Brett's talking about some areas in which he failed and has acknowledged his shortcomings and his sins, what he did was in that moment he set an example and how to respond when convicted. In fact, how to respond before you're convicted. Let me explain. Chatting to a young man a, a little while ago, I said, my friend, you're not teachable. He said, I am teachable. Proof that I'm wrong and I'll change my mind. That's not teachable. Teachable is, I can't see it. Help me see it. I'm blind to it. There's something I'm not seeing, and I trust your opinion more than my own. And that's a really hard thing to do. And in many ways, Brett, at the beginning of this, like he said, was, was looking around going, um, this person's at fault, this person's at fault. I may be a little bit at fault, but it's mostly other people. But he quickly postured himself and said, no, talk to me. Talk to me, where am I wrong? And in fact, on, on Tuesday when we were having lunch, I said, can I, can I just speak to you about something? Something, a little niggle that I noticed. And, and his first response was, no, you've got it. And, and then very quickly he went, no, actually you're right. And I don't even know if I was right. But he postured himself to like, no, talk to me. Let me receive it. Let me try and see it. And that is what we've all got to do. We've got to be teachable. We've got to trust the perspective of those that God puts in our lives to speak to us before we see it. Because by the time we see it, it's usually too painful. And like Brett said, maybe he's made a couple of decisions. Maybe he's done some things which potentially could cause harm to the congregation. I think by God's grace, he's covered those decisions. But if he hadn't listened... He would have hurt the congregation. He would have hurt many of you and he would have hurt his family. By the time we see it, it's often too late. And what we all do, we all do what Adam did. We all have a tendency to clothe ourselves with fig leaves. We do our job to cover over our insecurities, our sins, our guilt and our shame. And some of the most high-profile people in the world, some of the most successful people in the world are successful simply because they're covering over insecurities and trying to prove to the world just how awesome they are. We all have them. But the hardest thing is when the Lord comes and says, that won't do. And the very first instance of something dying in Scripture is when God killed an animal to clothe Adam and Eve, and how grateful I am for the shedding of blood to cover my shame and guilt. But here's the challenge. When I've covered myself in fig leaves, and then the Lord offers me his covering, you know what I have to do in order to receive his covering? I have to, I have to take my fig leaves off. I have to reveal myself. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be naked before him. I have to admit that I'm naked and in need of covering. And tonight, I want to say all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we've got a really whacked way of saying some sins are worse than others. Generally, our opinion of the worst sins are the sins we don't do. (laughs) 
<laughs> the worst sins are the sins other people do. But you know, some of the worst sins are pride, selfishness. And it manifests itself so, so often. And bread has been a wonderful example to us. And this is why we can restore him back into leading fully without reservation, without question, without a shadow over his leadership. And I want to ask you all, don't put a shadow over his leadership because he's been willing to admit he's made mistakes. Anybody here who's not made a mistake, you can apply to lead the congregation. (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) Anybody never made a mistake? I I don't want to lead a perfect man. I I mean, I don't want to follow a perfect man other than Jesus. I don't want to follow a man who who seems perfect. I want to follow a man who's quick to repent. That's a safe man to follow. And I want to tell you he's a safe man to follow. And I'm not saying that just because he's a friend. And he's a good friend. And he paid me. (laughs) I'm saying it because I want you to know that he has the endorsement of the entire eldership of Josh Jen. And more than that, he has the endorsement of the Lord Jesus Christ to lead this congregation forward. And I'm not asking you to give yourselves like you did before. I'm asking you to give yourselves more than you did before. Because maybe there's a little bit more insight and compassion and understanding of the weight that he's carried and the challenges and difficulties of leadership. And he's not called to do it all. He's called to raise up a priesthood of all believers. And when we all rise up together, then we all do more. Does that make sense? So I want to pray for Bretton Abbey and the family. And again, don't treat them with kid gloves. Don't like be all like the back, the good. But again, there will be a process of judging load, workload and time and energy. And particularly, can I say for, for Abby, when you're an elder's wife, it's a really weird situation because that is not an office. Yeah? She's not ordained into the office of elder's wife. Brett's an, an elder, and then she just gets brought along as part of the package in many ways. Um, but people put an expectation on her simply because of who she's married. And, and that's a, you know, the expectations of people can be crushing. I think she's got massive contribution to make, not because of who she married, but because of the gift she is in her own right. But as a couple, they've got to find that because she's a mom, she's a wife. And she can't neglect those to be some. So, so let them find their way, love them, support them. Have them for dinner, go for dinner. But again, if he says, we can't this week, don't be offended. Let them find their way in, but support them and love them. Can we pray for them? Why don't some of the guys gather around? I thank you, Lord, you don't leave us on our own. But you continue to guide us, teach us, encourage us, rebuke us, discipline us. And it's like they've experienced a bit of all of the above in recent months. But I thank you that you take us through all that to bring us into more, bring us into life, and to make us more like you, that you are transforming us from one degree of glory 
to another. And I thank you that that's what you're doing. And that Jesus is shining through them more than he ever has before. And we thank you that they're back. (laughs) We thank you that they're back with no shadow, no question mark. That they're fully restored into the role and function that you've got. And I pray, Lord, that there would be not a single person who would harbor any questions, any reservations, but that we would take inspiration from the way Brett and Abby have responded to the processes of God, how they have submitted themselves under the mighty hand of God over the last three months, and that we would be a people who would do likewise, that when it comes our time for recalibration, correction, discipline, exhortation, or encouragement, that we submit under your mighty hand at those times so that you can do the work you need to do in us. And I pray for them as they come back. Uh, I know you've already done a work, but, but you would envision, you would, you would keep fresh, you would empower, that, that, you would, that they would walk in a greater anointing than they have done previously, Lord. Because where you restore, you restore back better than it has ever been. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So let's grab a coffee and hang out for a bit, guys. (laughs) Amen.